2: Today's episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark is brought to you by the makers of the Skylight Frame. The perfect gift to give a loved one this holiday season an ingenious touchscreen, Wi-Fi-enabled digital picture frame that allows you to email your latest photos directly to those you care most about, no matter the distance. Not only will the Skylight Frame allow you to stay connected to the most important people in your life... Tonight they have a special offer just for my listeners. I'll be back after tonight's first story to tell you a little bit more about Skylight Frame and my experience with my own. Until then, snuggle up with a nice warm blanket and get cozy. Skylight might help you get closer to those you love. But tonight, you're on your own with me, and I've got a far creepier picture to paint. <laughs> Stay tuned, the show is about to begin. <laughs> Good evening, I'm storyteller Otis Gyre. and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare... Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. (laughs) Who needs sleep anyway? (laughs) Good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 1. I'm your host, Otis Chire. In tonight's episode, I'll be performing four stories for you about apocalyptic abominations, sinister static, nightmarish nursery rhymes, and beasts beneath the waves. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which includes the first two stories. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror... Visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. And thank you for your support. It's time to get started, so lock your doors, turn the lights down low, and settle in. The show is about to begin. (laughs) Our first tale of terror this evening, from author Colby Newton, is entitled Milk Teeth. The river had broken its banks and seeped onto the abandoned highway. The shallow, rippling pools played with the flat wheels of the bus, splashing upon the rusted hubcaps and weathered undercarriage. Tendrils of vine and leaves gripped the contours of the metal cab, stemming from the cracks in the submerged pavement. Claire Collingwood stumbled her way through the murky shallows, fighting to remain standing, "'as the water clung to her dress "'and pulled the fabric already stretched tightly "'over her bloated abdomen. "'For a moment she hesitated. Absent mindedly holding her belly in one hand "'and a knife in the other, she considered the bus. "'There would be no way to ensure her safety "'once she was inside. "'The glass windows and flimsy door "'would offer little protection from the weather, "'but this did not concern Claire as much as the thought of how easy it would be for them to get in. She contemplated finding a different location, but another pulsating stab racked her abdomen, and she abandoned any thought of traveling further along the deserted road. With her mind set, she pushed on through the water, careful to hold the knife away from her body in case she fell. The door was rusted shut, but with some prying, she was able to wedge it open enough to budge in, Holding it closed behind her, she was slightly comforted by the door's reluctance to move. At least this would make for somewhat of an obstacle. A human body, or what was left of the tortured remains, occupied the first seat behind the drivers. She only gave it a momentary glance before carefully making her way toward the back of the bus. After making sure she was alone, she gathered the abandoned clothing left scattered among the seats— "'Finding a seat near the middle of the bus, "'she made a bed on top of the cushion. "'But before she could lie down, "'she looked at the window just above the seat "'and pictured one of them peering in at her. "'Claire shivered and moving the clothing "'to the floor between the seats. "'Maneuvering herself slowly, "'she reclined onto the makeshift bed, "'pulling her dress above her knees. "'Saying a silent prayer, "'she bit down on the handle of the knife.' "'and began to push. Fifteen years earlier, "'Claire Collingwood would never have imagined herself "'giving birth alone in a rusted bus. "'She'd been a fresh, young face in the medical field, "'aimed at making a difference in the world. "'Everything at the time had been new and exciting "'as she prepared to make her mark as a nurse "'at one of the leading hospitals in the country.' "'She had met her husband, Marcus, after he contracted a parasite "'while building wells for villages in Africa. "'An ambitious man, he was quick to charm the young nurse, "'despite looking like death and wearing only a paper gown. "'Although she despised the thought of his body harboring insects, "'she couldn't help but be taken by the man, as dreamy-eyed as she was. "'A year later, the two were married and prepared to build a life together. "'By that time, she had moved up in the chain of command,' and worked with a team designated for unusual cases. She still remembered how it all started. In the years since, she had devised her own poem to remember the sequence of events that ended the world. Now, Claire recited the verses in her head, exchanging the Lord's Prayer for His punishment. Their bellies had all flattened, and none had come to seed. It had been in the news for a few months— Here and there, an unusually high occurrence of miscarriages, followed by concentrated populations of infertility. Insidiously, these incidents happened more and more frequently, spreading like a virus. Upon the breath of every man, dark words to be freed. People were panicked, blaming everything they could. Pollution, global warming, damnation, and terrorists had been on everybody's lips— the President told people not to panic that he knew medical professionals were close to identifying the cause of the threat. Claire, however, had known this to be a lie. No one knew what was happening. Nevertheless, these events had only been the ill preparation for what was to come. Then the month of May, when milk teeth grew no more. One day, rumors began to spread that no children were being born— At first, appearing to be the hysterics of a crippled world, people tried to bury their greatest fear. Of course, children were still being born. They had always been born. But soon it became apparent that what had once been was no more. For the first time in recorded history, not a single human being was born in a day's passing. That day led to another, and another, and another. A year passed without any births, and the world cried in pain. While society spun apart, Clara and Marcus had kept each other sane. In their innocence, they thought they could still make a difference and bring an end to the chaos. They still went on dates, catching some of the last movies to be produced, and never abandoned the hope of a return to normalcy. Until the night the dryness ended, seed replaced with spore. On one evening, she awoke with an impending feeling of doom. For the first time, Claire Collingwood was not her optimistic self. At first, she was unsure of what had woken her. She lay still, listening to the sound of Marcus breathing. Then she heard her pager vibrate on the nightstand. The message demanded she go to the hospital, but offered no other explanation. When she arrived, a heavy silence hung over the ward. Doctors were whispering quietly, gathered around the doorway of room 419. Claire wringed her hands as she approached, noticing a look on the doctors' faces that she did not recognize. They only looked up when she came within arm's reach. We're about to begin, one said, not bothering to greet her. Begin with what, sir? She was beginning to decipher the emotion blanketing their faces. "'and her unease grew. "'Delivering a child. "'The reply came from a different doctor after the first. had simply stared at her. "'Now she understood what she saw in these men. "'Fear. "'The same primeval guttural fear that had gripped their ancestors now "'coursed through the bodies of these men. "'Claire's own emotions no longer seemed irrational.' though she did not know why she felt so threatened. They moved into the room before she had a chance to question what they were saying. She followed, taking in a strangely tepid scene. There wasn't anything intimidating about the expectant mother. She seemed genuinely excited, if not a little confused herself. A smile was pressed upon her face, and she was slowly looking around the room, "'Eyes locked in position, her head pivoted in sweeping motions, "'as if she were following a particular slow fly. "'Hello, I'm Claire. "'I'll be one of the nurses helping you with your delivery tonight.' "'The woman offered no sign of acknowledgement. "'Confused, Claire looked over at one of the doctors, "'who shook his head when they locked eyes. "'The scene she had once labeled as surprisingly plain,' now seemed to be a mask for something more sinister. A perfume, masked, the poison, deception, none could name. Claire staggered back in horror as she turned back to the woman. She was no longer smiling, nor did she seem confused. Her eyes gazed into Claire's, and she quietly said, "'It's time.' Her head then jolted back, and a tormented howl burst from her lips. The doctors jumped into motion, preparing tools and grabbing gloves. It only started seconds ago, but as the woman's screams escalated, so did the feeling of doom. Just as it began to seem as though the terror couldn't be more intense, the woman fell back onto the gurney, dead. At the foot of the bed, the doctors were gaping with a writhing form, Claire pulled a woman's gown up to look at it and screamed. She knew what it was. They all knew what it was. However, none of them dared to say it. One of the doctors reached a hand to the child's fingertips, quivering. All through the blood, it came to be for a world who was to blame. Claire ran down the hall, blood splattering across her face. She could taste the doctor's gore in her mouth... "'How it had snatched at him and snaring him "'had finally broken Claire Collingwood's hope for redemption. "'She now knew that things would not get any better. "'They had only just begun. "'Marcus had not seen it "'and didn't understand why his wife insisted on leaving the city. "'He would later regret asking her to stay and consider their options. "'More women were starting to give birth, "'and as it spread, so did the carnage.' Soon they were infesting the cities, waiting in the shadows for those who were left behind. The couple ran for nearly a decade, scavenging what they could. They met fewer people every year, and the time between conversations with strangers continued to grow. If it hadn't been for Marcus, Claire would have joined those hanging by their shoelaces in the forest. He remained hopeful despite all they had seen. As if to reward him for his faith, a spark of hope began to shine in the people they encountered. News was spreading of women beginning to have normal children again. Although doubtful, Claire was ready for some change in the monotony, and Marcus was set to take all the necessary precautions, but he had never gotten a chance. A few months into her pregnancy, he was killed, and Claire was left alone with her unborn child. Suicide crossed her mind, but she couldn't bring herself to do it. Marcus would tell her at least to have the child. She owed it to him for all the years he saved her life. She was determined to bring the child into the world, and she spent the next few months clinging to life, focused only on her purpose. Finally, the time came, and her body began to respond just as she had found the abandoned bus. The sun had set some time ago, settling the forest into a still silence. As it grew darker, Claire's contractions came more frequently, and she alternated between pushing and resting. The thought of taking a quick nap crossed her mind when she heard it. A small splash from outside, so quiet it was almost mist, froze the air in her lungs. It could just be the wind blowing the water across a stone. A twig may have fallen from the tree, or... She shook the thought from her head and focused on her breathing. The pain was unbearable, and she gnawed at the knife handle to relieve her frustration. It was so consuming that she almost missed the second splash. This time she knew it wasn't a twig, but she had to be sure. Slowly she pushed herself up and edged toward the window above her head. Leaning against the seat, she peered into the darkness. The trees swung softly in the gentle wind. In the moonlight, everything was drained of its color. It would have been a peaceful sight if not for the tall, dark figure standing in the shallow water. It faced away from the bus, its head tilted to its side as it swayed back and forth as if listening to music. Feeling like her heart was about to explode, Claire began to lower herself back into her hiding spot. Just when her head was out of sight, the seat creaked loudly under the weight of her arm. She pressed herself against the floor, not daring to breathe. Within seconds, she heard it at the window. Its thin fingers squealed against the glass as it pressed its face onto the surface, searching inside. She could see it, but she prayed it couldn't see her... From her vantage point, she saw its black tongue snake out of its mouth and kissed the window, and it stepped out of view. At first, she thought it was gone, but then she could hear it. It was inspecting every window searching for a way into the enclosed space for a way to join her. Through the methodic noises, a small tap here and a slight click there, she knew where it was. Before long... It would find its way to the door. The image of it prying the door open filled her head. Another wave of pain caused her to cry out, and the noise stopped. Knowing it was already aware of her presence, she decided to stop writhing in silence and let her screams fill the air, dropping the knife to her side. The baby was only minutes away, her body pressed in from all sides... Claire expected it to break through the windows, provoked by the sound of her pain. As seconds passed, she realized it wasn't going to force its way in. What was it doing? She closed her eyes, bearing through the stabbing feeling. When she opened them, she saw it standing at the window across the aisle from her. Its fingers were splayed wide as it stared at her, looking like a child at a toy store. It just stood there. "'watching. "'She'd rather it just end the pain. "'Why wasn't it attacking her? "'Was this the child she had seen born all those years ago? "'The thought frightened her, "'but she couldn't help but look for some sign of recognition "'in its terrible eyes. "'Before she realized it, her body pushed once again "'and she felt the child begin to emerge. "'The thing outside began to sway, apparently excited.' A lipless smile stretched across its face. Claire looked away, not wanting to see anyone. As she prepared for the final push, she grabbed the knife and held it, poised, ready to meet her child. Within seconds, she was empty, staring at the baby on the floor of the bus. It was exactly what she had expected. The bellies had all flattened and none had come to seed. Upon the breath of every man, dark words to be freed. Then the month of May, when milk-teeth grew no more, until the night the dryness ended, seed replaced with spore. A perfume masked the poison, description none could name, and through the blood it came to be, for a world it was to claim."
1: But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs
2: I hope you enjoyed Milk Teeth by author Colby Newton. Up next, we've got a taste of technological terror from author Anton Scheller about the horrors that may just be hiding behind the so-called harmless ASMR-inducing noise we're all too familiar with. But first, I'd like to tell you a bit more about Skylight Frame, the ingenious product that, unlike what's lurking in our next tale, is sure to put a smile on the face of everyone you give it to this season. As you're no doubt aware, what with Black Friday behind us and the glow of Christmas tree lighting under windows nationwide, the holidays are just around the corner. And along with them, millions worldwide are planning get-togethers and searching for that perfect gift for their loved ones. So let me ask you, how's your holiday shopping going? Since I've moved back to Canada now, It's a bit more difficult to take care of things now that I'm not in close proximity to those that I know. And before the Internet was around, it would be impossible to keep in touch easily. But now, things are just a bit different. For a really special gift for the special people in your life, you've got to check out the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is a photo frame you can update instantly by email from anywhere. It sets up effortlessly in under 60 seconds. Just plug it in, use the touchscreen to connect to your wireless network, and enjoy. Sending photos to Skylight is effortless, too. In seconds, everyone in the family can email the latest snaps from their portrait sessions, their goofy selfies, or their vacation shots to your personal Skylight email address, and they'll pop up in no time. The frame's got a classy black frame and white mat, which looks like a real traditional photo frame, and adds a beautiful touch to your home. It goes with any decor and looks fantastic on a coffee table wall or bedside table. The skylight frame's got a gorgeous 10-inch touchscreen, too, so you can swipe through photos with your finger and even tap to thank the person who sent a photo to you. The reality is technology has been bringing generations together today for years. But with the Skylight Frame, it's never been easier. Imagine the look on your mom or dad's face or your grandparents when they instantly get the latest batch of memories from you delivered instantly to their frame without having to do a thing. And knowing they can tell you which ones they like best with just a touch. And with the Skylight Frame, there's no need to leave your loved ones in the dark. You can preload it with your favorite photos to make it extra personalized as a gift. Just import pictures of you and your loved ones together in advance, wrap it up, and voila! The perfect present which keeps on giving every time you make a new memory. Not only that, but with the Skylight frame, your satisfaction is 100% guaranteed. If you don't absolutely love your frame, Skylight will offer you a full refund. Now, I've got to tell you, I chat with Craig Groshek, the program director, just about every week. And we've had the pleasure of trying out some really great products as featured on this show. But Craig has never been as excited about anything as he was about the skylight frame. See, Craig's got a family of five, including three boys. And if you've got small kids or know any, you know how challenging it can be to get the perfect family portrait done right every year. In time for the holidays, and sometimes, how hard can it be to choose which shot from the session to send to your loved ones? Well, Craig got the chance to try out the skylight frame this month and discovered it was the perfect gift for his father, who isn't big on new technology and has trouble, as some do, with keeping up with all the new gadgets every year, but still loves to see what his grandkids are up to. Now, Craig's dad is getting brand-new snaps of his son's family and his three grandkids without having to lift a finger. When he stops back in after a day of grocery shopping, he finds new pictures loaded on his frame, daily, and with the touchscreen, with a single tap, he can tell them how much he loves each one. The first time he sent a new batch of photos, his dad called him to express his amazement at how fast they showed up, and how many the frame could store at once. Even better, Craig's not the only one that can send photos to the device. Just give the frame's unique email address to friends and family, and they can send their latest shots, too. And it still takes up just one spot on his wall. After all, who wants to spend an entire afternoon hanging portraits? You wouldn't do that to your parents, would you? (laughs) This season... Skylight Frame's making it easy for my listeners to stuff a stocking with priceless memories and let them know that Otis Jivey sent you. Now, as a special holiday offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go skylightframe.com and enter code TOLD. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter code TOLD. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com, promo code TOLD. They say a picture says a thousand words. Well, with the Skylight Frame this holiday season, you can say more than all the stories I've ever performed with just one gift, and give the special people in your life the one gift that ensures they're never forgotten, and lets them share in your memories all year round. Now, for those of you who enjoy not just the lighter side of technology, but who've got a penchant for the paranormal as well, we've got the perfect tale for you up next. But be warned, after this new story, you might start not just seeing things, but hearing them too. <laughs> Our second story today comes to us courtesy of author Anton Scheller and is entitled White Noise. Static. White noise. They say it's good for you. Your brain can tune out all the distracting noises of the world and instead just focus on the one important thing of the moment— I always enjoyed static, the mindless noise that suffocates all others. Most people try to make the world of cars and people disappear behind a veil of music, but for me, white noise was always more efficient. Turn it on, and after a few moments uh, that your mind takes to adjust, everything unimportant fades into the distance. Without the constant disturbances, your head feels light and clear, and your thoughts can flow freely. Music never did that for me. A few times, friends asked me whether it was damaging my hearing to listen to white noise all the day. Of course, they were exaggerating. I only had my ears filled with static whenever I was alone or wanted to be or feel alone. Static was my escape from the world. Still, their doubts were justified. My doctor said it was okay as long as I gave my brain a break every few hours— Without a break, the brain might adjust to the background noise. It might get addicted to the background noise. I followed his advice and made sure that I unplugged my headphones at least every few hours. They felt so much like a part of my body that I sometimes forgot to pull the cables out of my ears, but usually I did. I think I never silenced the world with white noise for more than four or five hours at a time, at least not until my seizure. I'm not actually sure whether it was a seizure. It could have been a miniature stroke or anything else that's strong enough to make an adult human unconscious. They never found out what it was, but that's not important. What is important is that I was alone at the time. I was on the bed of my rented one-room apartment with a book in my hand and white noise in my ears. I saw my hands cramp. "'The book fell. Then everything went black. "'If not for my brother, I think I might have died. "'He wanted to visit. He rang the doorbell. "'He called my phone. Then after half a day he called the police. "'They found me on the bed. "'My body was lying sideways with my head pushed against the wall. "'I had a crust of saliva around my mouth "'and a crust of blood around my ears.' My brother said that in the hospital I woke up screaming. When the blackness faded away, it was replaced first by pain and then by noise. Pain and noise. That has been my life for the last six months. Even for my friends, it took a while until they understood that I'm not just rude. They still stare at the headphones when I meet them, but they've adjusted. They know that I can hear them through the noise, and they know that I can't hear them anymore without my headphones. With strangers, it's more difficult. Shopkeepers and waitresses always look as if they want to stab me for my rudeness. Making new friends has become hard. Most think that I'm trying to make some odd fashion statement. I gave up on dating. But the social implications are not what bothers me. I never was the person that is upset about an evening alone at home. What bothers me are the noises I hear in the rare moments without white noise to drown them out. My doctor says those days, three days without a break, made my brain get used to the white noise. He says it's like an addiction. My brain is accustomed to hearing a constant level of buzzing background and it reacts strongly when the background noise is taken away. Whenever I pull the headphones out of my ears, the first thing I feel is disorientation, as if I'm suddenly falling off a cliff. Then the noises start to scream in my ears. Without the white noise, my brain seems to amplify all noises it registers. The doctor says that when I take the white noise away, my brain is trying to find a new level of background noise. He says we all have our natural threshold as to which noises we notice and which we don't. I destroyed that threshold. I don't mean to say I can hear more than other people. My hearing has not magically improved by being damaged. But now, whenever the white noise is pulled from my ears, my brain does not know anymore what is background and what is not. My ears hear the same things as they always did but now my brain consciously registers noises that before were swallowed by mental filters. What used to be background noise now seems, without white noise, as loud as a person speaking right into my ear. I hear a roaring sound, the fused sound waves of many sources, the natural white noise that we all have learned not to notice. But there are other noises, too. They sound clunky and pale like music amplified through cheap loudspeakers. But still, they're there and they're real. I can hear car noises that I would have never noticed before. Despite the thick walls, I can hear my neighbors sweeping the floor or watching TV or having sex. I can hear cars three streets away. I hear my own heartbeat and the blood pushing through my arms. I got used to those noises, despite the screaming level... I'd be able to live with them. What I can't live with are the voices. First, I thought they are just distant noises like all the others. But no matter where I go, no matter how deep I am in a forest or underwater or how many layers of noise blockers are meant to keep them out, I can always hear them. Sometimes more, sometimes less. They vary with the environment. They are not just in my head. As I said, they're clunky. Sometimes it's hard to even tell whether they're male or female. Still, I can recognize what they say. They speak about things to do. They discuss what should happen next. The cup should fall. His knee should hit the table. His spine should ache. They don't always talk about me, although they do that too. I never noticed how many seemingly random events surround me. How the water drips or the cup shakes slightly when it's placed back on the table. How the paper falls into the bin or flies past. There are at least two of these voices around everybody. There are at least five or six around every newborn. I think the newborns are not yet fully adjusted to the background noise. Sometimes when the voices argue too loudly, the newborns wake up. They scream. With two or three years, children seem to have adjusted. They all don't notice anymore, even when the voices hiss and curse. I always thought it was good and bad luck, the open shoelaces and ripping grocery bags, the random wind that destroys the hairstyle, the tripping. But when I free my ears from the boundaries of the white noise, I now hear that luck is not random— The voices and their owners decide minutes ahead of time who will trip and who will miss the bus and who will not notice the approaching cars. Some of the voices seem to like the people they're attached to. I saw a boy, he was maybe four or five, that walked without attention and still kept his ice cream in one hand and his feet straight on the floor. Minutes before she got out of their chair... I knew that the voices would keep a woman's stroller from rolling down the slanted street, even as she forgot to apply the brakes. But I also heard the other side. Two or three voices hissing and laughing from their throats while they planned their next mishap. There was a man in a ripped suit. He ran only by me for a moment, but the voices had been there long before. I had heard them discuss that he would trip and fall and break his arm and I heard another group of voices, seven or eight, nearly in hysterics. They were ahead of a little girl of maybe six or seven years. Her dress got stuck on a tree branch. Her paper money was blown from her hand. But I didn't worry about her because of the dress or the money. I heard them discuss in which way best to kill her, whether to drown her or to hurl her in front of a car. While they discussed, the girl tipped her head to the side and waved at me. I must have stared at her. I waved back and she shyly ran after her mother. The voices followed her. A fire, said one of the voices. I'd like to hear her scream. A good idea, said another. We just need to make sure her mother will see... The rest I didn't hear. At the beginning, when I still thought they were just in my head, the voices that followed me were gentle most of the time. But they get more angry whenever I talk about them, whenever I mention them. I can hear them scream right now. I can hear them argue that it can't be that I know. I know that they want to break my chair to punish me. Still, I can only hear... I can't see them, I can't touch them, and whatever they want to do, I can't stop them. Thanks again to today's sponsor, Skylight Frame, for their support of this show. Don't forget, now, as a special holiday offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter code TOLD. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go skylightframe.com and enter code TOLD. That's S K Y. L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com promo code told. Thanks for joining me tonight for Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you like what you heard and would like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's episode which includes two more terrifying tales, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself on Chilling Tales for Dark Nights where you can sign up for a season pass and get access to all 24 ad-free extended episodes from this season or sign up as a patron for just $5 per month and get access to not just my show but our network's audio archive of hundreds of previous releases including premium versions of our other shows such as the Simply Scary Podcast and Horror Hill not only that but you'll be lending your support to this very program and help me continue bringing nightmares to life each and every week. Thank you very much for your support. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett.